Welcome to the Productive Ministry Podcast. Today we have one of our Tim and Rocky conversation episodes, but we've also included a special guest. You might remember him from his touring with John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Will Warfel is oh with my. us today. Hello. So I thought it would be interesting to talk to you two guys together because Tim, you're you lead worship from a liturgical background. And yes. Will, you lead worship at a non-liturgical church. Yes. Now, Tim, you had you had an idea for an episode a couple of weeks ago. I guess it was about a month ago where you called me and you said, we should do, we should have a conversation about worship lyrics. Yes. Yeah. What was, what was your thought there? Okay. Well, uh, I, my wife and I lead for uh, a service at our church. And one of the things I'm often thinking about is, is music, obviously, because every week we have to pick songs, we have to coordinate them ideally with what's happening in the service. It, it dawned on me that, uh, that there are some ways that I approach picking music that are, have become kind of subconscious mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and less intentional. And I thought it would be interesting to explore those things, especially with somebody like Will, who comes from uh, a different tradition and is choosing, also choosing music every week for a service, but it's going to be done in, in a slightly different setting. And and basically, I I guess to like explain even more elaborate on what I've just said is that, you know, there are songs like especially like the songs that end up in the CCLI top 100. And if you're not familiar with that is CCLI is a licensing company for this is for our listeners. I'm assuming everyone here knows what CCLI is, but listeners who don't know what CCLI is, it's a uh, licensing company for the church, which uh churches pay into and gives them the rights to perform songs uh, in their services. And, um, you know, artists get paid and whatnot for, for their work. CCLI posts a top 100 list on their using their song select service. And I'm sure it's in other places, which allows you to see what are the like top songs being performed or, or at least downloaded and, and or reported. I'm not exactly sure how the list gets made up. Will, do you know by chance? I don't, I know that, they they track that you know your downloads and you know what what songs you access within CCLI but yeah and that the it basically helps keep a church keep legal in what they project and what they sing and not you know copyright infringement type stuff exactly and, and so the CCLI top one hundred list I have to imagine is some combination of downloads of of like music because they provide music with certain services Mm -hmm. so downloads of that music for performance as well as like reporting because they you know they do sampling where they have churches report on what they're playing so that they can understand and they and they categorize you know what are the top 100 songs being played yeah all that being said all that explanation aside uh, i found myself thinking that once songs kind of make it into that list i don't really think a lot about is this song good or okay for worship or whatever i kind of <laughs> take it for granted that it's been right. vetted right yeah, yeah. how do you how i immediately the the question that's popping in my mind that i'm dying to ask both of you is do you ever pick a song for worship just because it's popular even though it might be theologically terrible well Theologically terrible is kind of a loaded statement. I often, I, you know, I don't know that I, I don't feel like I come. So my wife and I are discussing this last night in preparation of, the, of this podcast. And 
and one of the things I say to her is, you know, I feel like a lot of the times when we pick music, um, sometimes it's because of like an emotional attachment to the music because we saw it at a concert or whatever, and not always because we're being, you know, critical or examining of the content. And she goes, yeah, but I don't feel like I come across a lot of worship songs I disagree with. And I said, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> I don't know. Will, do you ever come across things that you're like, oh, I, this song is actually like heresy or whatever? Here and there. And you, I think you're right. They're few and far between because a lot, I mean, the the purpose of writing worship is, you know, singing to God, giving praise to God, being wanting people to reflect on the scripture or a, a certain idea that pertains to our our Christian faith. So I think it's, you don't see that a whole lot, but there are things that give us pause, right? Like, you know, you come across a a lyric in a song. I was reading over one just last week, a song that we did on Sunday that kind of someone, it gave someone pause in the lyric. So I researched a little bit on how, I guess, the scriptural origins of the song, which I think. What was the song? What was the lyric? Um, it was, it's a song called Here For You. And it's by Matt Redman. It's been out for a while. Okay. It's kind of a, uh, we use it to start off a service a lot because it says, let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We're here for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a big here for you is something that's repeated a lot in the song. So what I found was I was digging into it. I was actually looking for a scripture to read bef- to op- start the service before we went into that song. And the blog I found was a guy that was really in opposition of the song because he said he was taking the the stance of, no, we're not here for God. God is here. Basically kind of saying that we're like commanding, you know, the, the idea that God can't survive without us, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I can see his interpretation of that, although that's not how I would have. Right. I would have understood it as like, oh, we're here so that we could be in your presence, not like we're here because you need us. Exactly. Yeah. And so. What I did from there was I found, I took that into account and said, okay, let's make sure that one, when we're introducing this song or when we're reading a scripture, that we make sure that we make the connection that says that's, you know, not what we're trying to say. We're trying to say that God's presence is here. We're here for that. We're here to welcome this presence of God, that kind of stuff. Just to, you know, play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. Don't you find that some very popular worship songs are just very egocentric and ended up being like, end up being like just prayers about yourself or to yourself. Uh, mm, Okay. Well, to answer your first question, I will say that because of the nature of our congregation and the kind of service that we're putting on and, and just where they are in terms of like contemporary Christian music, I don't, we, my wife and I will look at songs because they're popular but I don't know that we've ever been like, oh, we need to work this in because it's popular necessarily. Right. And, and, and you know, in terms of bad theology, like, I, I think I'm with Will is that sometimes maybe a questionable line, but nothing that's like outright heresy makes it into popularity. I don't feel like, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, to answer your second right. question. I mean, I, I do feel like a lot of worship music today is kind of all saying the same thing. And, and yeah. I'm sure you've experienced this, Will, in that a, a lot of it tends to be topically the same or, you know, coming from a, the same kind of viewpoint. And I don't know if that's just 
because that's what people want and that's why they become popular or if that's like what people are turning out because that's a formula that works. And, you know, specifically about being very egocentric. I mean, there certainly are songs that are very egocentric, but I, you know, I think you, as you start examining, if you're really listening to a lot of worship music and you're really looking at a lot of songs and trying to decide week to week over the course of a year, I mean, you kind of like, there seems to be a lot of various categories that kind of just like, things get lumped into one way or the other. Yeah, I th- I'm right there with you on that. I think that a lot of our culture in multiple demographics has become more self-focused and kind of looks at gratifying yourself. So that can tend to manifest itself in the things that we put out for other people, whether it's what we're posting online or what we're singing in church. I think there can be a little more of a, a self orientation. And that to me, I think the question comes when you're in a, a group of people to worship together, and then you're singing something that's personal to yourself, or singing mm-hmm. lyrics that are self-centered. When it seems like in that context, it would make more sense to say we instead of I. Exactly. Yeah. And the for me, just for me as a leader, um, or someone who's been around worship music for a, a time period, I feel like I can make that dis- distinction, you know, sometimes we sing we, sometimes we sing I for the sake of our relation, personal relationship with God. But at the same time, I, I'm always tending to lean more towards the, the group inclusive type language when you're worshiping with a group. Yeah, I, I will often find find it hard to work in overly individual perspective songs that are that are just very, very heavily an individual perspective in worship. I, I have a hard time working those into worship sets without feeling like I need to yeah. drastically alter them because it it does feel uh, out of context to have a group of people singing songs that are are singing a song that is like very, very heavily focused from an individual perspective because, you know, so... so many parts of especially liturgical service are about like corporate activity, you know, the, the, the people in the congregation doing things together. And I, you know, and this is like, I mean, this extends to a lot of places, especially like, like or a lot of songs. I mean, you know, one of the songs that I really enjoy as an individual and as a person who listens to worship music and as a person who like plays things for himself devotionally, the song, uh, how he loves in that Mm-hmm. That even has like how oh uh, oh how he loves us right so there's even like a kind of a bent towards like multiple people, but I find that yeah. like it is so overwhelmingly personal in a way that like for for my congregation that I lead at the moment it's just like it never feel like I, I consider it probably like at least once a month like mm, you know how he loves we've never played that for the congregation yeah that, that might be and then every time i'm like well i just don't think it's gonna fit like the vibe that we have going on in our service and and it's a great song and it's a song that i really enjoy and, and at this point maybe it's starting to get dated but but i just like you know that's a good example of one that i feel like i have a hard time imagining it in the corporate context because of how like overwhelmingly personal that song feels yeah Yeah, i agree there and i something i i was thinking about something we that rocky and i talked about in the the previous worship podcast that i was with on with you guys and and we were talking about worship in the context of where you serve as a, a worship pastor or 
a leader in some form or fashion. And uh, one of the things that that my wife and I have been drawn to as we serve in a particular context is with our approach to writing music, but I think this applies to worship lyrics in general too, but we kind of attached to this phrase that we heard called, you know, when you go to write worship music, you should focus on writing the prayers of your church. And I thought that was really cool because it talks about, it, it has a, a sense in which you are identifying lyrics that can fit your community of faith where you are, mm-hmm. not just a particular individual, but a, a group. And so that's really affected the way that I go about selecting music because I'm just like you, Tim, there's some songs that I love and I'm like, man, that really, that really works for me or gets my, you know, gets my worship going, gets my emotions going, that kind of stuff. But it's not necessarily something that's going to fit corporately and fit for where our, where our gathering, our community is spiritually necessarily. So what is the, what then becomes the goal of worship? Because it seems like even after I asked the question, the, the the thing that I thought was that just because something is is egocentric doesn't mean that it's bad necessarily. So how do you determine what your goal for a particular service is? For me, we're I'm working closely with our senior pastor and what he's gonna preach, whether it's a particular series, scripture reference, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of our our first thing. We're trying to attach to the the big idea and like, you know, go build around that. So there are times where that fits really well with, with music. If you're, you know, talking about how God's always with you, always, always going to be for you and not against you. Well, there's all kinds of worship music that can identify with that really well. But when you drill down to specifics, you know, you're trying to do what you can to fit that mold. But at the same time, it can get it can get difficult because at the same time you don't want to be completely irrelevant or out in left field, but a lot of times it's difficult to find a, a good fit. So it can be challenging, I think. Yeah, I you know uh, my wife and I kind of are in a similar situation. Although I feel like we have several layers that <laughs> we go through when we're selecting music. Obviously, we're trying to coordinate with you know the the priest for the week and what his sermon's going to be about. Uh, oftentimes there's not a sermon series going on, just kind of the nature of how our church does things. We follow the lectionary. And so the lectionary kind of is like the sermon series forever, (laughs) as it were. (laughs) And so, you know, even if they, the, you know, if our pastor doesn't know what he's preaching on yet, he generally knows that like, I can go look up the gospel or the new Testament reading in the lectionary and have a sense of like, well, this is what this Sunday is about. We often, also, like it's the season of Lent right now, and so mm-hmm. that creates a different kind of situation for us in the liturgical setting. I can't play. I, I'm I'm not supposed to. I should say play any songs that have the word Hallelujah in it. Oh, and man. and I'll tell you that you, you you feel like you know a song, and then still like I have to look up the words to every song just in case <laughs> because I'm afraid I'm going to pick something. <laughs> and then on Sunday, or I mean, we practice beforehand, so I guess it wouldn't get to Sunday. But but you know, we're going to. Is, pick- is there someone in the audience watching you guys practice saying, "No, I'm getting too happy. I'm feeling too much joy. <laughs> this is not penitent. This service is not penitent enough." <laughs> so so you know that's an interesting thing like this season of advent too was you know we had to we played a lot more hymns during advent because uh we couldn't 
rely on you know kind of the traditional christmas stuff i would do in in other churches i've worked in because you don't play those until christmas comes you know mm-hmm. and so that's an, an an interesting element to it but but i think one of the things i i that your comment will made me think of is the difficulty especially when you're trying to like really marry the theme for the sunday or for the you know month or ser- series or whatever to the music you're doing is that if you're not careful and you try too hard at that, like there's this definite give and take where like we could be so on with so many songs, but it might mean that we're just constantly playing new music we've never played before Yeah, because it's like now the theme fits. And so like our congregation doesn't get the benefit of any songs they know, like they're just constantly being bombarded with new stuff because we're trying to be thematic. And so I I find that we have to walk that line between like really wanting to have that synergy between the music and the service Mm -hmm. and making sure our congregation isn't just getting hit over and over again with stuff they don't know. Yeah, that's huge. I think there's regardless of, you know, what you're doing musically, there's, there's always a, uh, an emotional component for music, I think that's, that's different for, from person to person also. So that that might throw another level of, of the difficulty dynamic in there too, because, you know, at the same, you might be doing something that works really well thematically, but either it's brand new to someone and they don't connect with it, like, like you'd want them to, Mm -hmm. or you're doing something that you feel, we might feel like doesn't fit at all, or it's just kind of out there. We needed to fill the an extra song or whatever, but that might be the thing that someone connects with really well. Yeah. It's like a, you know, the congregation, knowing the congregation's history to the, the music of your, of your church is like really important. And I think, Will, you have the benefit of having been at your church for a significant period of time now. So you have a really good sense of the music that's been played. Right. Yeah. I know what was a, a challenge for Steph and I, Steph being my wife, when we, first started leading at our, our current church is like we we literally went through and had the the church you know admin go through all the bulletins for this period of time so that we could make this this uh spreadsheet with all the songs they've sung and how many times they've been sung so that i could get a sense of like what songs do they know you know because that makes a big difference you you know we feel like oh this song's like 20 years old they should know this right like holy is the lord everybody knows chris tomlin's holy is the lord never once had been played in our church and they just didn't know it you know yeah we, we have an interesting as i'm sitting here listening to you guys we have an interesting setup because you are approaching this from like the worship leader aspect and then it occurs to me that i have some thoughts about this from the preacher aspect I, I've had. I know that you both have had the benefit of playing at 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 camps and mm-hmm. concerts and retreats, and I've had the benefit at speaking at them. And if you if you're like not on the same page, or you're being petty, and there have been times where I've been petty in my in my ministry, you're just like, you know, I'm I'm about I have to go on here, and it seems like this guy's not going to shut up until you know he's got everyone weeping. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm opening with a joke and everybody's sobbing. Come on, man, work with me here. <laughs> well, you know, that reminds me of a, uh, of a joke I used to make in college about the worship sermon. Uh, <laughs> oh, where, my gosh. Where it felt like worship leaders, uh, and and I'm probably overly sensitive of this now as a worship uh, leader full time, but worship leaders, it felt like you would have like, of course, whatever the 
pastor was or the preacher was going to preach on that week but you know there was going to be this worship sermon as well that he was going to get and it might be like five ten minutes long <laughs> but oh you, it might be completely yeah. unrelated to yeah <laughs> is there is there something that i take pulling it back from like the camper conference aspect of it but is there something that as as a as a preacher is there are there things that we do that make it difficult for you guys to do your job Yes, uh, I will tell you that planning is something that sometimes makes it difficult to do my job, and that's I think just how churches. It depends on the the kind of leader who you know. Or do they plan their sermon series ahead of time, or or in our situation, you know, there's the lectionary to fall back on. We often want to be a, ahead, and we don't always get that opportunity just because of how small our church is and the number of things that are being juggled. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for us, we're maybe not always planning as far ahead as, as would be great to, to do some more interesting things in the service. Mm -hmm. So that's like one element that immediately comes to mind for us. But I, uh, that being said, I understand again, our congregation is smaller. And so, you know, when there's only like two ministers on staff and they're, they're juggling, you know, four services mm. that like, there's, there's a lot of like crossover between their responsibilities that doesn't always lend to like my needs <laughs> as a worship leader, sad as that may be. Yeah. I think I agree there that there is a, a measure of planning that we want to do as worship guys. That's either we don't always get the ability to do. And, it, you know, maybe there, there's that maybe a little bit of an unknown, sometimes dynamic between a worship pastor and a, a preaching minister, uh, the unknown being that maybe a pastor doesn't know exactly what goes into the planning of a song or learning a song. So it makes it difficult when the pastor will come in and say, Hey, can we do this song at the end of my message? It would be great as opposed to, you know, something that, that the group has already worked on and then vice versa, you know, a worship pastor, not fully understanding what what the pastor wants to dynamically go into his message or or dovetail with what might be already happening in a service. So I think uh, yeah. I think a key there is similar to um, song selection. You want to have something that that can build a relationship or fashion comfortable communication between everybody involved, so that mm -hmm. you know that there's a little bit of an expectation that okay, I might have to be flexible here. So that's going to knowing that in advance is going to allow me to be more flexible in the right way. And also just having a, a clear understanding of the abilities and, and what's expected in that relationship, I think is, is healthy. Yeah. I would agree. So just like openness and honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Figure, man. Love. <laughs> well, Love. you know, in, in regular communication, you know, that I know that, you know, sometimes our, our priest is like, oh, this is this is like a thing I would like for us to do during Lent. And, you know, so we got to like work through exactly how that's going to work. And so that's important to, mm -hmm. you know, sort out. And it, you only get to do that if you're like making sure you're saying like, oh, do I got this right? Is this is this what you're imagining? So yeah. how, do you, how do you guys feel about prayer transitions? Describe what you mean by prayer transitions. Like when people use prayer as a transition, you know, between songs like like, yeah. But, you know, they, they intentionally put a prayer there for the purpose of being able to, to change the stage or, you know, change guitar or whatever. I, Come on, don't <laughs> act like you guys don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, like, I, I, I know what? exactly I've what you mean. I've never heard of such a thing. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, you know, I mean, 
it's I, 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 I guess I just consider it like all part of the theater of it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the thing is, I know what you mean, but it's not something that happens in our service because of like, since it's a liturgical service, like it's pretty much laid out like how things are going to transition. Right. Yeah. So nobody's like super superficially adding prayer in so that we can like do the set pieces on the stage. And we don't have set pieces anyway, but you know, I, part of that is like, I think there is value in creating a smooth service, a seamless service, if you will. And, uh, and I don't mind. I mean, we're, you're going to pray at some point, as long as like it's genuine and not superficial, I feel like it's probably fine. I, I think I have maybe more criticism for the, I don't know, the worship sermon prayer, as as I called out <laughs> earlier, where it's like, I have a thing that I want to say, and I'm going to say it by having a prayer. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was driving to the church this morning, and God spoke to me. Exactly. So, something of that nature. <laughs> the My approach to that, I think I don't have as much of a bent against a prayer using that as like a time of transition because the approach I take is, is our group Our you know, we have a, a full band that plays um, every week. So I don't want us to do anything that's going to be a distraction to someone right. worshiping and, or having a moment w- between them and God. So if, if we need to change something for a particular song, change an instrument or move a, a podium out onto the stage. I want to do something that's going to be able to focus them on God and make that action, whatever stage action be secondary to that. So if we're praying Mm -hmm. or talking, that's always going to be something that we're going to find a genuine way to do that. And if something else needs to happen during that time, that's secondary to focusing on worship, then that, then we'll do that. Mm -hmm. I do agree with what you said about the, uh, the kind of the disingenuine uh, stuff that's kind of just filler type things. I think people are pretty good at, at seeing, seeing through those types of things that, you know, if somebody's saying something that is just, you know, for a certain purpose or that's, I think it's easy to catch that when you're doing something like worshiping, because that's something that is designed to pull out our heart and expression so if that's fake at all, I think people can detect that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it, I heard a guy say one time that if you're going to pray a prayer as a, or introduce a song by praying or saying the lyrics of the song you're about to sing, then you should probably just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I think I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think there is some practicality to it, too. I mean, sometimes like you just got to get the choir off the stage right. or, you know, sometimes you got to move the set pieces on that you didn't want on like they're going to they're they're pieces that would enhance the sermon but distract from worship and so like you know those those things like you want people to do them smoothly you don't want them to like there to be dead time like dead time is just going to make the service longer without any kind of benefit and I, so I, you know i'm not i'm not overly harsh on some of that stuff so no i i i agree i know i know there there are times where i'm just like when we're sitting down and we're planning a service And I'll just be like, oh, well, we really need to put a scripture in here or we really need a prayer time because uh, it's going to it's going to uh, it's going to ruin everything. It's going to ruin the flow. It's going to it's going to take people's mind immediately off of thinking about God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, those those are those, those those are the kind of things that are necessary sometimes. I guess my advice is if you realize there's like one of those things in your service, like 
I mean, use that to your benefit. Just add an element to your service that is going to be beneficial to your congregation or to the worship service. And don't, you know, don't think of it as like, well, we got to add the scripture here. Like, all right, well, so a scripture would be beneficial for two reasons. One, it would cover the transition. And two, we can do some edification here. Let's make the scripture count, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel the need to take yourself to a, a certain place spiritually or emotionally as you're, as you're preparing a service or, or writing your sermon or you're picking your songs. Right. So, you know, like Tim, you're planning services right now for Lent, right. Mm -hmm. And you want it to be very uh, penitent. Right. Do you, is it like method acting? Do you have to, I know that's a terrible comparison, but do you know <laughs> do what I mean? Do you have to, do you have to, do you have to become penitent yourself so that you can bring people into that, to that feeling? Cause I know that when I'm writing a sermon and I'm thinking about taking people on that journey, that I'm also going on that journey with them. And I try and have that, that emotional journey as I'm trying to lead them mm -hmm. somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Is it the same? You know, I would say some way I, you know, naturally because I'm trying to practice Lent, I'm going to be penitent at times. I think that, you know, my wife and I try to pray regularly for our congregation as we're picking music and as we're practicing music, because we want to make sure that, you know, we, we're going before the Lord for whatever's going to be happening this coming Sunday. And that's, you know, the, and, and then of course, like during the season of Lent, we'll be extra penitential during those prayers. I think that in terms of like having to get myself into a certain space to plan, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily do. I think, I think at this point, and it's hard for me to like think about it and maybe will, you can comment on your experience on this too. But I, I mean, at this point, I feel like I know what I'm trying to get out of each place where we're putting music pieces. Mm -hmm. And, and so like, and I know like how I feel about certain songs when I'm playing them. And so it's not, you know, it's, it's easier for me to kind of connect the dots without having to like specifically go there emotionally. And I mean, on it, I'll probably the place where I should do this the most is like before the service starts, but I know that we're doing setup and stuff and trying to practice Yes. on Sunday. I'm often just like, like trying to catch my breath as the service starts more so Absolutely. than having like got my head in the right space. Yeah. 100% there. Yeah. Cause the, the demands of what goes on on Sunday morning, a lot of times are different from what the demands are when you're planning a service out. So yeah, that's, that's for sure. For sure. Pl planning the service is almost like the easy part, right? You often get to do that on your own time, like, mm -hmm. you know, at your own pace, right? You don't have things like deadlines. I mean, there's probably broad deadlines, but you don't have like, uh, you know, in an hour we have to start the service and I need the music picked in <laughs> practice, right? Like you've, yes. <laughs> you've worked through a lot of that stuff already. Yes. And, it, and so it's much easier to do that without stress than it is to um, like be ready on Sunday morning. And B, you know, that, that, that to me is like, what I think about is like, I know that at 10 AM on Sunday morning, I need to be full of energy and positive and ready to like, try to help people come into the presence of God and make the presence of God apparent to people mm -hmm. uh, through our service. And, and, but meanwhile, like I'm troubleshooting why the projector is not working <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And that, I think that's good to, to note too, for listeners out there too, that, you know, 
ideally things are you're going to give yourself the best chance of success when you're not trying to learn and rehearse stuff <laughs> right before you know an hour before the service starts so that there's more opportunity to to get in that mode of like emotionally preparing take yourself to that place of where you're going with with the worship music when you're when you have the time to plan that and get in your own space like you said Tim and for me you know it's a little bit different because we're not going through the the Lent seasons or Advent and stuff like that specifically. But there's a, I feel a little bit of a dichotomy in how I plan stuff because on one side, it's, it's very subjective. You know, who have I got playing this week? Is it somebody that's going to be able to pull off this particular portion of the song that we need to have to get good impact? Who's singing this week? Who can I have, you know, lead a song who can I have not lead a song and then the other side is is that trying to go to that place emotionally with a theme and and where we're headed scripturally so that there can be a level of identification with what what we're seeing and and then that can be present in the preparation too all driving to the point of on Sunday morning can we get to the place where we're experiencing the lyrics and the worship to a degree that's higher than our degree of uh, I got to take care of this or take care of that or preparation. But you guys are, the reality is, is that you use music to create a mood. You're, you're thinking about transitions and, and chord changes and all of those things with this, uh, this end goal in mind of, of something. I mean, right. Am I wrong? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, the thing, you know, the thing about a liturgical service is a lot of, you know, we'll play as many as maybe 10 pieces of music in a service. Not all of them long. Some of them are repeated every week. But generally speaking, most of those pieces are, are not next to another piece of music or, or only next to like one other piece of music. So we don't have like a long set to get to like build up towards. And so I know for us is that it becomes really important to think through what is our goal for this space in the service and you know is there is there time to take people on a ride in terms of like you know emotional or what have you um or does this need to be much more like utilitarian and you know like get people out the door or what have you (laughs) so whereas i imagine will you like have a lot more opportunity for crafting a like a bigger experiential piece yeah and that's Definitely. That's something that's different. I mean, we do have some standalone things that are, you know, for a specific purpose, like driving towards people making a decision or, or uh, their response to the message or, you know, communion or something like that. But on, we do more of trying to create a flow for our main set of music, Mm -hmm. which is three to four songs. And so it's a a little bit smaller amount of music, but we're trying to do what we can to string that together so that it flows in a, a stream of conscious, you know, uh, and in general, a lot of guys will see a lot of churches will see, you know, starting with something high energy and, and getting people drawn in and then move to the more reflective types of music. And we're not necessarily locked into that. Generally, that's, that's what we'll do. Like a lot of other churches do, but we want to, above all, create kind of a flow so that people can stay connected and, and not, uh, 
not be distracted. Are you guys searching for songs by by scripture and title? Is there like a database? Do you type in Psalm twenty three and get a list of songs? Are you are you asking like how we find new music? Or are you asking us like yeah? How- I am. I'm well. Yeah, I guess I'm asking you how you find new music, and specifically, I'm asking you: Is there a database that you? <laughs> so both of those. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell. Don't don't answer the question without also talking about the database. If there is one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I use a couple of things mainly. One is the CCLI database that Tim mentioned. That's kind of developed into its own worship resource where you can uh, you can search things that have been written and find sheet music for that you can listen to clips of it all that stuff so that you can kind of and you can also see what we mentioned before what's what's being used more than others kind of that top 100 mm-hmm. our the second thing that i use a lot is planning center which is a online resource for planning church services and we use that for our worship services, our children's services, our student services, all the, anything that we put into a weekly service, Wednesday or Sunday or special event, we try to make Planning Center the base for that just because people can have eyes on it. But it's also our song database for songs that we have used and keeping track of how often they've been done and uh, when was the last time you sang a song, something like that. So you don't, do the same song twice in a row if that, or you can't, if you want to do it more than once, but they have a feature where it will show what the top songs are that have been used by all of the, the planning center users across the country for a given week. Oh, interesting. So I can go in and say, say I'm looking for something new. I can look into the song database and hit, it'll pull from all of the planning center users and say, this is what everybody who uses planning center has been doing. And that, I think that's a top 100 also, but it's, it's sectioned out by week. So if you're looking for, you know, Easter music or Christmas music, you can kind of see what's popular that the people have been doing or, or putting into their plan for that, that week. That is a really cool feature. Yeah. I've kind of stumbled upon it, but I'm glad that I did because it helps. And, the other thing I do is just listen to, you know, Spotify or, or go around YouTube and try and catch catch things that are popular or listen with the with a uh, predisposition. I'm listening for something that will be able to help the people I serve or something that will align well with with the church. Yeah, we use we definitely use CCLI or Song Select. Uh, I think is what the service is officially called. They have, of course, the top one hundred, which we you know browse. But most of the songs I'm already aware of, and it's, it's only if something new happens to pop in do I'm like, oh, what's this? They also have the ability. They it's it's not super well organized or or tagged. Actually, the, the meta tags for thematic searches is is not super great on song select but it exists so i will browse those i can go to like a you know this week uh, liturgically speaking well i guess by the time this airs this past sunday is what i should say was uh jesus heals the blind man from the lectionary and so we you know we're looking for songs about healing just to see what was in ccli and that's an example of how i use that it doesn't always yield great results like i said the the I don't know exactly who's doing the the meta tagging for that, but you know it's, it, it can be hit or miss. Yeah. In terms of just 
and uh you know finding new music i'm kind of like will uh you know i create pandora stations and i seed them with songs that i like just to see what else pandora connects i use spotify really heavily spotify has this really cool feature that they introduced where you can make a playlist and put some songs on it and it will suggest more songs to add at the bottom and mm-hmm. so i kind of use that to seed and try to find you know oh what are what are stuff that connects with this you know they curate playlists and things like that i i find myself kind of going like will you where you just you kind of get on the hunt and you you know go through a lot of different sources uh, uh, the the problem ultimately with things like pandora or spotify is that you tend to get the most popular kinds of things only which is can be like the same songs over and over again is what i mean to say by that so there there is like a kind of point of diminishing return mm-hmm. in terms of like creating playlists and letting looking for suggestions but oh and i will say spotify also does depending on like your listening habits one of the things i really like is they do every week they recommend stuff to you and so that's a good place to find stuff and they'll do daily mixes where they'll put together stuff but you know there is a degree to which like you just have to go out there and be looking for stuff and worshipleader.com is a website i frequent they have a list that they put out every now and then uh, i think midway through the year and at the end of the year like their best songs are so far in the year and then what they felt like their best songs were for the year those are often good places to like check out new stuff that's been released we found a couple of cool songs from like vineyard and, and uh some other place i forget on there that we've introduced into our sets and and you know that are have been written in like the last year or two actually one of them was released like five ten years ago but it was re-recorded anyway you know it, it just becomes uh it becomes kind of a a lot of different things is how you end up finding you know the music you want or new music yeah, yeah. it's like i think i think that's just like unfortunately there's not other than just like grinding it out sometimes there's just not really another way to do it uh, you know yeah. your your youtube suggestions what have you right? i love that i love your creativity tim i love that you create a, a playlist on pandora on spotify yeah. and i'm jealous as a preacher because you can you can kind of essentially experience your worship service right i wish i could and, <laughs> and, 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 do you know what i mean and like listen to it and and absorb it and and i think man wouldn't it be great if i could like have have a sermon playlist like just put like i'm just going to record a bunch of phrases and then just put them together <laughs> listen to them as a playlist that would be awesome. that, yeah, yeah that would be amazing seed it with some scriptures and just yeah. see what pops out <laughs> yeah. I, I will say you know you speak about making playlists for the set one of the things that we do and this is i guess just a freebie is i'm not always the best about staying on top of this but we try to once the set has been finalized i try to create a uh, a YouTube playlist and share that on our, our Facebook or social media mm. so that people can listen to the songs coming up that Sunday. And that's especially helpful when we're trying to introduce new music. And oftentimes we do new music at the offertory slot. So it's special music anyway, but you know, it's just, it's nice to like try to get that out for however many people end up listening to it, but to try to put out there, Hey, here's what you're going to hear on Sunday. If you want to get familiar. Yeah. I think that's a, a great idea and something I want to do too. We do 
I mean, we get that out to the people that are, you know, a part of the service for that week. But we've seen and considered doing some of that for like new music that we're doing or we, there's been like two songs that we've written. Our band has written ourselves and stuff. And we're considering doing that with the the live features that are in social networks now, like whether it's a mm-hmm. Facebook or what have you, that I think it's a great idea for getting people to connect with what you're doing, getting, if it's, especially with something new, getting exposure to lyrics beforehand so that they can be more familiar. Yeah. We, um, we write, one of the things that our, we wanted to introduce when we started this service was instead of reading the Psalms, which is kind of th- how things have been traditionally done in the church, mm-hmm. our uh, rector wanted to, to sing the Psalms. And so Steph and I will, We've we've worked through I think five of them at this point. We've we've got five different kinds of psalms that we sing, so they repeat more often. But we, you know, they're little short, kind of almost semi liturgical yeah. kinds of musical pieces where we sing the psalm. And that's something we've wanted to do too. Is like how do we, you know, easily get this recorded so that we can just share on social media or whatever, let people know, hey, this is the one that's coming up this week, so that they, you know, are ready for yeah, it. Yeah, that's cool. Are you are you composing those? Yeah, we we um, yeah. I guess the answer is yes. Uh, you know, yeah, do they have, do they all have like? Do you like uh, what? I, I guess what I'm thinking is liturgical liturgical prayers. Like, uh, you know, do they all have that like monotone? Oh, are they uh, the 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 word you're looking for is? Uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the on the term for that. We'll probably edit this out of the podcast then. Yeah, <laughs> um, this whole section right here. Uh, well, well, they're they're actually, they're, they're much more, they're much more contemporary than that. So they're not like, they're not like, uh, the, the liturgical moaning or. (laughs) I'm going to have to come up with the, hold on. I'm I'm going to look that up. It's officially liturgical moaning right now. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's the uh, final word. I was thinking along the lines of the Lutheran hymns, you know, Martin Luther used the, the old bar songs to do. Canticles. Oh, there we go. Canticle. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they're that's called better canticle. than liturgical moaning. Yeah, we're gonna. Have, well, now we get to leave it in because I found the answer. But yeah. <laughs> no, they're well, not. Like, I, they're, in defense, I, I, you know, Hill Hillsong does groaning, so I call it Hillsong groaning. Oh, do like they? In the, in the middle of their of their worship sets, I'm like, there's not enough Hillsong groaning there. Yeah. So, anyway, Bethel, you know what I mean. Well, you know what I mean. Bethel worship calls we, it well, we, spontaneous. spontaneous, spontaneous groaning. Yeah. Oh, they're big. Yeah, they're big on that too. Well, I don't envy you guys as worship leaders. It seems like a very difficult thing because there's the, you know, there's the 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 biblical knowledge and theological aspects of it that you have to consider, and then there's the the pressure of of creating a service that fits, whether it's, you know, like the the liturgical calendar or if it's, you know, fitting a sermon series, but then there's all the musical aspects of it. So you're, you're just pouring through tons of music and you're thinking, okay, well, I would really like to do this song, but we have to change the key, but, you know, and then, and then there's all the arrangements and people like to sing songs the way that they're familiar with them, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even, even as a pastor, you know, I've seen worship leaders like take take an arrangement and then and then change the arrangement from the way that they sing it on the radio. And like you're getting you're getting those prayer request complaints like, please pray that the pastor learns how the, that song is supposed to go or, <laughs> oh. or 
it's, I mean, it's a big deal, but I do know we consider that sometimes we're like, do we do amazing grace or do we do amazing grace? My chains are gone. Right. Yeah. You know, do we do Jesus paid it all? Or do we do like the Christian standful version of Jesus paid it all? Because that, will that chorus ultimately like impact the, the service negatively? Any, any final thoughts, guys? I think this is a great topic to talk about that leads to a lot more, obviously, in uh, the way that you plan services, not just what you're singing, but the reason why you're singing it and, you know, who it's who your intended audience is. I think that's pretty, pretty broad. But at the same time, it's something that that worship pastors definitely have to address if they want to be successful in what they're communicating to to everyone and successful in gathering a group of people to worship and truly join in with in a genuine way. Yeah, I think these kinds of conversations are especially important. And I would encourage people, if you're, you know, doing ministry to like hook up with other people who are doing ministry near you or that on social media that, you know, because there's so many, this is, you know, the, the genesis of this conversation. And I know more conversations we intend to have, on this podcast is just that there are so many resources that are out there that you have to like filter through or so many demands that you have to uh, try to overcome that it sometimes can be overwhelming trying to figure out like, how do I do this and how do I do it in a way that produces the results I want and lines up theologically with what I believe and, you know, doesn't overtax me or my church or my volunteers or whatever. And that's a, that's a lot of stuff to like try to sift through. And, and as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, with worship, at least I can see the Pandora playlist. I guess you can't do that with a sermon or a Sunday school curriculum or whatever. And can't do it yet. <laughs> yet. And then maybe that's TM, 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 uh, Rumble Media LLC, trademark Rumble Media LLC, copyright. So we're going to develop that product. <laughs> So, but rely on each other. I guess that's the biggest thing is that, you know, the, the benefit of like Will and I having this conversation and, and I actually, I do this too. Like I, I have a friend of mine that's a, a Presbyterian, he's a worship leader at a Presbyterian church in San Antonio. And, you know, I sent him a message the other day. I was like, Hey, we're, we're probably doing pretty good, you know, pretty similar types of, of services. Like what songs are you doing? What, like, and, and he and I had like a really brief, but really poignant conversation about how he approached when he took over leading for that congregation, how he approached like identifying like what they were about and, and what the, you know, the kind of ethos of their service needed to be. And and that was really valuable to me because of what I'm trying to do. And I think, you know, hearing how Will goes about things and how, you know, Will, how you're doing things at your church and the kinds of stuff that you're thinking about is valuable to me. Also, it just helps me continue to be a well-rounded, you know, worship or, or ministry leader as I go about, you know, trying to put together services for people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Well, thanks guys for being on the, being on the show today. Thanks for having this conversation with us. Absolutely. Happy to do it. I hope that you found this episode helpful. If you'd like to continue the discussion, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash productive ministry.org. You can also reach us on Twitter at prod ministry. That's P R O D ministry. Today's episode is produced by Tim Jenkins. The productive ministry podcast can be found on iTunes, Google play stitcher and wherever podcasts are served. You can find complete show notes at productiveministry.org. We hope that you'll share this episode 
Whenever you listen to this podcast, we ask you to please rate and subscribe. This really does help us. Productive Ministry is brought to you by Rumble Media, LLC. And as always, we hope you have a productive week.